This man is about to commit the most atrocious crimes in American history. Well, I would agree with that statement. I think that everyone is indeed entitled to at least one good scare. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, horror fans everywhere, for joining me uh, in this first episode of Undead and Unburied, a bi-weekly podcast exploring all aspects of the horror genre, from movies to TV shows to games to comics. We're going to look at all of it. We've got some really cool interviews, really cool feature stories and things like that lined up for you in the coming weeks. So I would urge you to subscribe, to check us out on Facebook, to check us out on Twitter, and I will be giving you all of those links and whatnot later on in the podcast. And if you like it, spread the word to all of your horror friends. My name is Christopher Bavard, and I'm a writer of horror fiction, screenplays, uh, amateur historian, overall genre enthusiast. Um, I've been fortunate enough to meet some very cool people over the years, and uh, I'm still in contact with some of those cool people. And thought that I would just, you know, start a podcast to kind of cover some of the things in the horror genre that I loved, that I think people out there probably love that don't get as much coverage. Some of the lost classics, if you will, uh, interviews and feature stories. Um, focused on some of the people that maybe don't get as much attention as John Carpenter or Wes Craven or any of those guys. No disrespect, no discredit to them, obviously. If they want to be guests on the show, they can come on anytime. Uh, however, I thought it would be kind of cool to look at some stuff that even maybe some of you big horror fans out there might not know about, or maybe it was before your time, or maybe you just missed it. That's what I'm here for. So, uh, like I said, we're, we're trying to line up some very cool stuff, and we've got some Awesome interviews coming up in the uh, next few weeks. I will try my best to keep this thing on the rails and to stay on schedule and to deliver a new episode every two weeks as timely as possible. So uh, I, I, I look forward to being able to bring this podcast to you for a very long time to come, assuming that you know I don't get you know eaten by some sort of creature or hit by a bus or something. So I wanted to um, talk for a second about how I how I arrived at today's uh, guest for the, our feature interview today. Um, you know, I, I grew up uh, in Galesburg, Illinois, which is a small town in, in uh, downstate, kind of southwestern Illinois. Uh, very cool little city, unfortunately plagued by some uh, unemployment issues now. So a lot of the stuff from my childhood that was very cool uh, is now long gone. Uh, but one of the things that really, you know, one of the things I always like to ask people in, in any sort of interview situation or, or feature is, you know, how did you get into horror? What was it that made you get into horror? Horror fans are really loyal. They're really dedicated, and they're often very enthusiastic about the genre, and, you know, myself included. And I'm always interested to find out what it was specifically about the genre that appealed to people and what, what got them into it specifically, what just made them such diehard horror fans. Um, and I can point to, you know, as far as me, and, and the thing that interested me in a lot of the films we're going to talk about here in the, in the coming weeks, kind of the B-movie, you know, exploitation, drive-in type of stuff um, that kind of, you know, it, it gets a nod and a wink and it gets a smile, but maybe it doesn't get the respect that, that it often deserves um, from mainstream media or from culture. You know, one of the things that really influenced me when I was young uh, there are lots of things, but one of them in particular was we had a video store in Galesburg, and this is probably similar to the stories of, of lots of you out there. Uh, in the dawning days of home video in the early 80s, we had a, uh, a video store in Galesburg that just had every horror movie you could imagine. And, you know, here I am, you know, 10-year-old kid in, you know, in Galesburg, and I buy Fangoria, and I read horror magazines, and I read all that stuff, but I never really had the chance to see a lot of the movies that were often talked about because video hadn't become a thing yet. And I realize I'm dating myself. Um, but, you know, we, Galesburg Video shows up, and all of a sudden here are hundreds of movies, you know, Herschel Gordon Lewis and Blood Feast and, uh, you know, Dawn of the Dead and all of these movies that I didn't have the opportunity to see before that. Um, and I just we, I just burned through that horror section at that store in, in record time, you know, and had, had seen all those movies in pretty short order. Um, so a lot of the movies that I saw there, it was, it was just a completely different, 
kind of horror film as opposed to what I had seen prior to that. You know, it was this kind of approach that was, that was very low budget or that often was, was a little maybe too rough around the edges for, for mainstream uh, theaters. You know, as I got older, I realized that a lot of that stuff was considered grindhouse and things like that. But at the time, it was really kind of shocking. Uh, and that's the stuff that really had a, a big influence on me, you know, even though it maybe wasn't as polished as some of the stuff that came along later. Um, it, it was tremendously influential in terms of uh, my idea of what you could do with horror as a genre. Um, and another thing that, that Galesburg Video had was a big comic section, and they had a comic book there called Twisted Tales, which I'm assuming some of you out there have know about. Um, Twisted Tales was a comic that was uh, written entirely by Bruce Jones, who is just a phenomenal horror writer. He went on to write uh, for Marvel and for the Hulk and a bunch of different things, but he's always been uh, just one of the best horror writers out there, and I feel that you know his material never got the mainstream attention that I felt it deserved. Uh, he's every bit as good as Stephen King. He's every bit as good as Clive Barker. I mean, his stuff was so intense and so creative. Um, it, it was just mind-boggling. I mean, he was to me, he... Bruce Jones was the Rod Serling of comic books, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, and I'm trying desperately to get Bruce Jones on the show. Uh, but, uh, you know, if you haven't heard of Twisted Tales or if you haven't seen it, check it out. There were only ten issues, uh, the first eight of which were published by Pacific Comics from about 1981 to 83. Uh, and issues nine and ten were actually published by Eclipse Comics, who took over Pacific Comics when Pacific went bankrupt. Um, so definitely worth the look and definitely worth, you know, digging them up on eBay, uh, tracking them down. Definitely worth your time. Um, so enough about that just in terms of the background. The reason that I kind of thought I would give you the, the framework for my own experience is because today's guest is actually someone that I grew up with in Galesburg. Um, as luck would have it, a uh, very close friend of mine from high school and college and beyond, Jason Hull, has gone on to enjoy some really awesome success uh, as a horror filmmaker, though he doesn't consider himself a straight horror filmmaker, uh, he you know his movies have elements of action and, and things like that in them that maybe aren't just straight up horror. Uh, you know he definitely comes from a horror background and he's got a, a really great sensibility I think for what makes a, a horror film and a horror story work. Uh, his first two films, Chasing Darkness and The Four. Uh, were very well received, and you can find those on video. His most recent film, uh, Krampus the Christmas Devil, uh, makes good on what I consider one of just the most ready-made legends in all of horror. I mean, the legend of Krampus. If you don't know about Krampus the Christmas Devil, um, he's basically Santa's evil twin, Santa's evil counterpart who uh, stalks the earth on Christmas Eve, taking care of all the bad children. And, you know, as you'll hear Jason and I talk about, I couldn't believe that nobody had ever made a Krampus movie, at least that I had heard of. Um, and Jason felt much the same way, so he took it upon himself to make what I consider to be a really great indie horror film. Uh, it comes out later this fall, but I've had a chance to see the film a few times, thanks to Jason. And in this interview, you know, we're going to talk about all aspects of it, uh, how, you know, how you decided on the story, um, how you decided on the locations, the cast, which features the fantastic Bill Aubers Jr. Um, just a lot, of, a lot of cool stuff is related to the making of this film. So without any further ado, let's go ahead and check out this interview I did about a week ago with Jason Hull, writer-director of Krampus, The Christmas Devil. So I am here now with Jason Hull, who is the writer-director of Krampus, The Christmas Devil. Jason, what's up? How you doing, brother? How you doing? I'm doing good. Um, as I had said before, you know, Jason and I went to high school together, were metalheads together, did some stupid things together, and had a lot of fun. Um, yes, sir. And, <laughs> and obviously <laughs> both got really into horror at some point in our in our twisted childhoods. Um, so that's kind of that's my first question, I think, kind of for everyone is just, you know, how did you... What was it that got you into horror and made you decide that you were actually going to make the leap in, into making movies? Oh, well, uh, it's two-parter. So part one uh, with horror films, um, I, I've always, I always like the, uh, I always like the expression or the feeling of being scared, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and I've always loved horror films. My grandmother was a huge, believe it or not, she was like a huge horror fan. And <laughs> was she really? 
I go down, oh yeah, middle of middle of nowhere, Illinois, of a you know a town of a hundred, and my grandfather be in bed. Me and my grandma instead of watch that black and white TV and watch horror films together, you know. And, uh, yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. She's she's a she's a horror film junkie, man. She loved it, you know. And she was like my bad influence on that stuff, you know. My mom doesn't really care for all that stuff, and yeah, my, yeah. my grandma loved it. But uh, I, I don't know. I mean, that's that's just one. I mean, there's there's two expressions, and I mean, I think in film that are really hard to um, to invoke in a, in a crowd or in in a, in, you know, in an audience. And I, I think fear and I think, um, I think comedy, I think are the two hardest things to ever, if you really get a good, you know, like a good comedy or a good horror film and, and you have people that are, you know, covering their eyes or cracking up, you know, you know, watching what they're watching. I think that's really, it's hard to invoke. And, uh, as far as like why I got into making films, um, um, I, 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 I I always consider myself to be sort of a, um, a creation sort of person, you know, and, and, you know, always been in bands my entire life. And, and I think writing songs or, or whatever. And I think I even joked with you at one point in time that I was going to write a, a novel, you know, and well, that's a lot harder than what I thought it was going to be. So. <laughs> yeah. Um, I've been there. It's not easy. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah you, you know about that. So. <laughs> yeah. um, but, uh, you know, it's one of those things where I have to create and I worked on a, Another filmmaker who's local here, I worked on his set, and I was pretty much the production supervisor. I did I did just about everything on his set, although to this date, he probably won't tell you that I did, but um, that's neither here nor there. But, um, <laughs> but uh, you know, I, I kind of saw how it went down, and I saw how it went on an indie scale. And um, it was a year later, man. I was feet first in my first film, Chasing Darkness. And, uh, right. you know, I wrote the first script, and here you go. You know, uh, you know, light a, light a fire in my butt, and... and um, you know, we're, we're next thing I know, we're, we're in post-production. I'm one of those people, man, um, you know, I start something, I'm going to finish it, you know, and, yeah. uh, and, um, but the, you know, you, you, that's, I guess that's sort of how we, we kind of got rolling with this. And as far as horror films, you know, it's, like I said, it's either that or a comedy. I mean, you want to, you want to see some sort of reaction out of a crowd and, um, this film, I wouldn't really say is too much of a horror film. I mean, it's going to get pegged as that cause we have monsters and we have blood and we have boobs, but <laughs> I mean, when it's, when it's, when it's all said and done, I mean, you've seen it. It's, it's really more of an action thriller, <laughs> you know, that, I mean, that's going to be the title of your autobiography, right? Monsters, blood and boobs. I'm guessing. Are you writing that for me? <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, what the hell? Yeah, we, yeah, we can write that later. Well, after we finish the interview, we'll knock that out real quick and, and then, awesome, uh, move on. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you're right. I mean, it is kind of a, it does have definitely an action vent to it, um, yeah. which kind of was one of the, the questions that I, I had, you know, how did the making, how did the writing and the making of this movie differ from the four or chasing darkness or was it kind of the same idea going into all of them or did you have kind of a distinctly different approach when you went from movie to movie? Was it the kind of thing where you just kind of broke the whole system down after you made one and, and rebuilt how you were trying to do it? Or did you kind of decide on a method that you really liked and, and kind um, of push that? I, I'm, I'm, one of those, I'm one of those people, like, as far as, like, writing a screenplay, um, I, if I get in a zone, it's awesome, you know, and, and I can sit there and be typing out stuff and typing out dialogue and chuckling while I'm doing it because I think it's the best thing in the world, you know. Um, but I have to be in that zone. I'm, 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 not, I'm not trained for any of this, you know. So, right. I mean, when, when I did Chase, um, you know, I wrote the I read a bunch of screenplays and I saw how the format went. And, you know, there's software out there now, man. I mean, you... <laughs> You can do your own screenplay and format it right. You know? <laughs> right, right. right. It doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be a good screenplay, and I'm not saying Chase was, but Chase is what it is, man. It's my first film, and I'm yeah. proud of it, you know. I'm proud of getting my feet wet and learning what the hell I was doing. Right, right. I think, I mean, it's kind of like making a record, I think. There's a lot of similarities oh. between making movies and making records. Without, you know, it's, it's... without question. Without yeah. question. You know, without question. You're always going to look back at certain things and think, oh, well, like, we could have technically done that differently, but you wouldn't have what you have now. So what's the point sure. of even trying to think in those terms, you know? Yeah. And, and you know, Chase was a, you know, was a 97 page script, you know, with, with no fight scenes written out. So, I mean, it's really a 150 page script by the time you write out the fight scenes and, right. you know, we had a cast of, you know, final 50 people and we're lo- you know, 50 locations. I mean, and all this just obnoxious stuff. <laughs> right. I mean, we did it so far in and I thought it was the best thing in the world. When you get in watching, it's the best thing in the world. And, yeah, so I don't get it. 
you know, I, you know, the curse of the horror film. Yeah, man, and I did. I, you know, I didn't have any. I was, I was anti boobs for it. I mean, I'm not anti boobs, but it's just like you know, man. I, I think it's stupid that people go see these movies just because there's there's tits in it. You know, so right, well, right, right. I, I was like, you know, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna not do that this time. You know, I'm, right. I'm gonna be different. You know, and, <laughs> and of course, then you get you, know, you just get razzed by the reviewers and. You know, we had some reviewers that really liked Chase, and, and, and some people said it was, you know, uh, very overambitious, which it was. It was an overambitious script, and I tried to write too much. And so then with the four, then, I, you know, I took, um, let's see, Chase was 2007, so I, I didn't do anything until 2000. And the four would have been 2010, so I took three, three and a half years off, and we did the four. Okay. And I said, okay, you know, man, we're going from 50 people in the casting crew and 9,000 locations, and we're going to have a cast of, like, 20 and, like, five locations. Right. <laughs> you know, right. Yeah. So I, told, I totally dummied it down. We went from a script of 97 to 60, you know, and, and uh, we, went, we went totally downplayed everything, you know. And I yeah. said, you know, we're going to make this much more simpler. And, and we, we, I mean, Chase was, we started filming Chase in January, and we finished in June, and I think we filmed the four over the course of like five grueling long days. Okay. So, um, I think, I think storytelling wise and, and over the course of that four years, I mean, I read a lot of books and I tried to, you know, take some online classes, you know, what you can take and afford. And, and I tried to learn it. I didn't, I don't just try, I don't take doing this lightly, you right, know, but, right. uh, um, um, I think you, you asked me like, is there a process or whatever? Um, with this, you know, I mean, it's 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 you kind of learning, you know. I mean, and it, it, it's uh, it's trial and error, and you find something that works. Get in watching a movie, and you're like, you get in watching, and you you come to a point when you're done with these films, and I mean, you can edit and edit, and you know, and, and tweak and twerk and do everything you can with them, add in insert shots, and and do what you can do. But man, there comes a point, just like a song, just like a record, man, and and you get done, and you're like, we're done. I mean, we're done, right? I, you, have, you have to call I, it off at some to, point. to just kind of, um, yeah, yeah. So I'll just link this like a band. I mean, like we did our second album in my band that I was in and I recorded it all. I mean, I have a 24 track and I recorded everything and man, I'd be running out with CDs out the car because I mean, that's how, I, that's how I know CDs should sound, you know, it's how it sounds in my car. Stereo. Exactly. So yeah, right, right. I'd be out there with a notebook, you know, the treble needs to come up on the symbols and the treble needs to come down on the vocals. You know, it's the same thing with film. I mean, and you know, color corrector, just an audio for this little tiny segment here. And man, it just comes to a point you gotta be like, you're done, you know? Right. You and, just gotta and, then, and then when you said you take a couple months off and you don't watch it, and then when you watch on the big screen, watching your film, and it's pretty badass, you know, it's a very cool experience. And you know, when you get the, you invoke that, you know, experience with, with the crowd. And I like to sit, like, when we, when we screen, we screen on November 2nd, it's our world premiere, I guess. Right, I knew and, that. Uh, yeah. And uh, we screen, I like, I like to sit way in the back. Stand the back, so I like to watch people's expression. You know, I like to see. I don't want to sit up front. Christ, I've seen it a thousand times. So, <laughs> but uh, so now we go from the we go from the four to, to the new one. I mean, and with Krampus, I mean, I had this idea with Krampus. I had the idea from so was, I had an employee that came up to me, and it must have been right around the time that we were. I was writing the four, and she comes up to me and she said, uh, "I have this great idea for you." And you know, most people come to you and they tell you that and you just kind of shrug them off. But she comes to me and she she comes to me with her iPad or her little, you know, netbook or whatever, and she shows me Krampus. And I'm like, okay, you know, that's pretty badass. Talk to me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm, really, I'm really surprised, like, nobody's done a movie on this. And it's like one of those things, like, I wasn't too knee-deep in, like, the four. is like it would have been, like, the next thing, like, right then and there, you know? So. That was one of the first things I thought of was I was so surprised that, you know, you said you were doing Krampus. I'm like, what the hell? Like, what took so long for that movie to get made? You know? It's, I mean, it's, that's, what a lot, that's what a lot of people say to me. And <clears throat> I mean, we have, we have just a following just because of... The fact it hasn't been done, you know. Right, right. And I guess in, it's sort of like retrospect. I mean, what, I, I guess if I would have known that it was going to be like that big of a deal, I probably would have made it more horror than, you know, like I said, than action. But, um, hey, it is what it is. So, uh, you, and know. I, you know, I have a sense of it. I think, I mean, I think this one is equally horror and action. I mean, my, my yeah. initial impression of it was, yeah. I mean, because the horror elements of it, I think, are... are really hard to ignore, even though it obviously well, has kind of a cop action bent to it, you know? Sure, sure, sure. Um, but, but the story, the screenplay on this is kind of funny. So uh, we'll finish up the screenplay on this and then, um, we'll get to your, your next question. But anyway, so we, we get the screenplay on this and like I said, in between, you know, in between doing the four and this, I, t- you know, tried to learn some more and read another screenplay book and blah, blah, blah. And you try and, you know, learn what you can. 
And this is one of those things where um, one of our producers, and he's also uh, he also plays uh, Jeremy Duffin in the movie AJ Leslie. Oh, okay. Right. Um, and right. he comes to me. He comes to me probably. Mm, God's probably about a year ago now, and he comes to me and he says, "Man, if we're doing this film, you got We only have 15 pages done. And, you know, I had a great idea. The beginning was awesome, but." And he's like, I mean, if we're doing this movie, you you got to get this sucker done, man, because winter's coming, and we got to do it while winter's here. I was like, yeah, hey, well, blah, 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 you know. And it was honestly one of those things. I woke up in the middle of the night, and I had the next 20 pages written in my head just laying in bed. <laughs> you know, yeah, it was like, yeah, yeah. One of those things, and, and uh, it's one of those things where you hand people the screenplay. It's like, God, the screenplay's awesome. I mean, and that's the only reason why we got, you know, you know, Bill O'Burst and Rich Gotieri and Mike, Mike Malai and – you know, and Jay Dobbins and, and some of these people we actually brought in, you know, from, from out of town. And I'm sure you'll want to talk about that later, but yeah, um, definitely. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, that's, that was the big difference between, you know, you know, movie one to movie three was, I, I think, I think the stories are better. Um, I think my screenplay writing is getting better. I really do. Um, and that's just all learning process, you know. Sure, sure, so. absolutely. Yeah, it seems to me like you know, whenever you're working on something, or when you talk to people who have done multiple somethings, you know, whether it's movies or albums or you know books or whatever, it seems like the process is kind of defined almost as much by what they don't want to do as what they do want to do. You know, sure. it's, it's like you don't want to revisit certain things or you don't want to approach certain ideas or certain scenes or something like that from from a specific kind of angle because it's either been done or you know it's not as effective or. Exactly, man. And like, like, you know, like I said earlier, I mean, you kind of, you kind of learn from your mistakes, you know, I mean, and that's, you know, one of those things, especially with Chase. Chase was such a, I mean, the first cut that, you know, Paul Gorman gave me of Chase was three hours long, <laughs> you know, and it was, I mean, I thought it was awesome, but I was like, there's no person in the world that wants to watch a three hour independent horror film, <laughs> you know, so, except us. Think, <laughs> like, it ended up being an hour and 40, you know, and, and, and it was like still even like 20 minutes too long. You know, it's like, <laughs> I try and cut my films off at about an hour and 20. I figure, you know, 82 minutes is like that. What is it? 70, 77 minutes is like that, that tropical number where you become a feature film. So yeah, 82 yeah. minutes is like, for me, you know, so <laughs> add another, you know, six, seven minutes out of that, we're perfect. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody has interest, you know. Yeah, you know, the pacing of it is great. That's, that's one of the things that really stuck out to me. I think that lengthwise, you know, there is there does seem to be a push to make movies long for whatever reason. I don't know if it's intentional yeah. or if it's just that people can't stop shooting, you know, but it's the kind of thing where, you know, you can you can kill a horror movie so easily by having it run too long or by spending too much exactly. time trying to explain things that you don't need to worry about. You know, and, and right, man, this, this this isn't the Avengers, you know. Man. Exactly, we don't need exactly, it to be three exactly. hours long. This this, right. this isn't Braveheart, you know. This is this is <laughs> Krampus the freaking Christmas Devil, you know. It's like, <laughs> you know, hour and twenty, fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I think I think the pacing of it's great. I think the length really it really works because it you Thank know you. It, it it makes it move. You know, I mean, it keeps things moving really well. And yeah, actually, I, one of the things I did want to talk about was you know, I, well, first I do want to get to the Bill Oberst thing, but before okay. we move on to that. Um, how did you settle on a look for Krampus? Like, without giving too many spoilers for people who may hear this and haven't seen the movie yet or haven't, you know. But, I mean, there are so many versions of, of the legend. You know what I mean? In terms of the, the images and the postcards and... and sure, how he looked. How, yeah. You know, yeah. was there a kind of a... Did you go through a process of, of trying out different designs? Or did you kind of have an idea in mind of exactly what you wanted it to look like going in? Um, honestly, the only thing I really gave a gave a shit about was his outfit. Right. Um, and, and partially because I, I, I really, I'm a huge Carpenter Halloween fan. I'm a, I'm a Rob Zombie Halloween fan too, but right. uh, I, I, Carpenter's Halloween Exorcist, probably my top two, you know, all time favorite, you know, right. creature from the black lagoon is really circling back. But anyway, um, and I love the fact that you never really saw, you know, Michael Myers' face. You know, exactly. you know, you know I just, I, I kind of dug that, you know. And, and I already had that in my head that you were never really going to see the monster, you know. And, and you, it was more the aesthetics of him, you know, the, the hands and the, and the, you know, the hooves, the and, hooves, and that, right. that, that right. the, the way he walks, you know, that kind of lanky walk, and right, you, you know, what I mean, it just is sort of like that labored sort of, you know, he's tired, man, he's old, you know, right, and, yeah, yeah, no, I think you did a great job of not overshowing you know i think that was one of the things that yeah i mean it it, it is more effective because of the way that you show it you know what i mean for, for me at least. and honestly I, I wanted i wanted the um like the crowd to sort of have um we tried to portray him as almost like you kind of feel sorry for him a little bit i mean and i, got I think that. we got yeah. that i think we got that across right i mean yeah i think and, you did yeah 
and, but as far as how he looks, um, all I gave a shit about was without question, I knew how I wanted his, his robe and everything to look. And I went to, uh, Dusty Austin and, uh, his wife and, um, he has a crew that did our, our mask and stuff for us. And okay. the, the original mask was, um, almost very, um, goat hitish. Okay. A very um, satanic, long like a, nose, you like know. Like a Baphomet kind of character. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. Long, long goat nose, you know, horns coming out. And I dug it. Um, it was okay. and But for whatever reason, the mask didn't take. So he went back to square one. And I didn't really have a lot to say with it. I, you know, really with Dusty, I just sort of said, do what you want to do. Right. And when that, when that kind of fell through... When I saw where he was going with it, that's when I had a little bit more, uh, a little more dialogue with Dusty at that time. And I said, um, this is more what I kind of want. Um, I want him a little more humanized, not so goat, you know? Right. And, um, and I said, I, and I, I gave Dusty full reign. I said, well, go with it. And, uh, and that's, and Dusty sort of took his took on it. He, you know, he did his take on it in that, you know, I mean, when people see it, they'll know what, what, what I'm talking about, but right, right. There's, there's it's, it's effective. It, it, it looks good. Yeah. It's, it's he, he's, he's decayed, you know? Yeah, <laughs> right. Right. It, it looks the way I, you know, it was one of those kind of things where the movie stuff, the opening scene really just kind of sets the tone really well that, you know, the, with him walking and, and whatnot. I'm trying to stop. Yeah. yeah I was, I'm trying to do this without giving spoilers away. No, no, it's okay. It's okay. The opening scene's great. So when they'll he, see it in the trailer anyway. So when he's flying on his hand glider through the field <laughs> in the alternate version of the intro, when he hops um, on the motorcycle really throws people off, you know? <laughs> yeah. It was very confusing. I actually have a funny kind of story about that in a second, but, um, <laughs> that, op- <laughs> that opening scene was so effective in kind of establishing the idea of the character. You know what I mean? <laughs> I, I thought, yeah. That, yeah, that was kind of one of those things. And the the anecdote that, that goes along with that is that I, I was watching it. The, the first time I watched it, I was, you know, chilling out, and I was streaming it to Apple TV from my iPad. So I'm sitting there, okay. you know, and, and I had just updated my software, and I ha- I didn't realize that I had adjusted the screensaver for my Apple TV to a five-minute cycle instead of, like, the hour-long cycle or whatever it normally is if there's nothing uh-huh. going. So I'm sitting there, and I'm watching the movie, and I'm just, you know, into it and lights are all off and everything and and i'm at the scene where you first see krampus's cave you know and uh-huh. and you're in there and it right I and mean, it was incredible right as the scene ended and it faded for whatever reason my screensaver kicked in with a single image of a gorilla literally holding a kitten i'm not kidding and i was like what the hell is going on i mean it was some of those moments where i was like this is it Okay, okay, okay. I know what's happening. But it was jarring. I thought, man, Jay, he went for something here. But I don't know that this is going to be an awkward interview if I have to address the gorilla with the cat. You know, I don't know. Hey, cats, bro. I, I know. I was like, well, you know, hey, great. That's a plug for the cats. <laughs> um, so, 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 so one thing I want to talk to you about. So um, did you like all the cave stuff? I did. I did. Yeah, I, I thought the cave stuff was effective. Again, it's, it's the kind of thing where it would have been easy to overdo. You know what I mean? Like, it, there's, I think with anything, anything that has kind of a mythology behind it, you know, you run that risk of people kind of going into it with this preconceived idea of what they're hoping they'll see or what they're going to see or whatever. So there's sure. kind of a rocky ground. You know, if you make a Bigfoot movie, then you're pretty much condemning yourself to being screwed and having, you know. But, yeah, I mean, I think there was a nice sense of, I, the look of it was good, and I like kind of the sense of restraint in terms of what you showed about do you, it. Do you know where that was filmed at? I have no idea where that was filmed at. That was in the basement of a bar. Was it really? Uh-huh. I'm going to go back a, and watch that now. I can I can see that, thinking about the walls. and. There's a bar in, in town, and we originally, the original script was he was in a, a ratty old cabin um, in the middle of the woods, okay, that, you know, abandoned old cabin, and trust me, I live in Pennsylvania, there's a thousand of them. Right. And that was the original plan. Was was this radio cabin that he finds, and that's where he that's where he stages his you know executions and stuff. And right. and uh, somebody's like, "What about a cave?" And I was like, "Yeah, yeah, you know, but I don't really. There are caves, you know, that we could film at, but they're you know two and a half hours away, and logistically and time wise, and with the cast and crew, and right, well, it's just it's not going to happen. You know, we'll find a radio old cabin. Like, no, no, I got something I want to show you. So they take me down to the basement of this bar, and it, it needed work. I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, we spent some time, you know, cleaning it up and. 
I assume they weren't keeping children captive down there. You know, I'm just guessing that was not they already were, a part of the landscape. Uh, they were, but uh, <laughs> you know, we let them free. So that was, that was cool. That was nice of you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's yeah. our thing, man. That's, yeah, that's our good. Thing, that's so. good. Catch and release. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah catch and release. <laughs> We need you to stay here for a day, honey. Scream all you want, but uh, you know nobody's gonna hear you. They hear the stereo. No, actually, but uh, I mean, some of those scenes we filmed were, you know, Friday night. The jukebox was booming upstairs, and people wow. were uh, the places. And it's a college bar. I mean, and uh, yeah, so it, it just that's my little tidbit for you there. That's really that's, cool. Yeah, it's crazy, right? It's I mean, yeah. That's a big college bar. <laughs> I would never. I mean, you would never know that from seeing. I mean, the, in, in thinking about it in my head, I can. There are shots where I'm like, okay, I can see that as being a bar wall in the basement. Uh-huh. You know? But, yeah, that never would have occurred to me. That's cool. Yeah, it's fantastic. I mean, this is one of those – and that was one of those locations like when uh, like when Richie and Mike and, you know, and Jay and, and, and you know, Bill O'Burst, you know, were out here. And they're like, how do, you, how do you get these locations, you know? And it's like the way we film versus how they film in Hollywood is just – it's so foreign to the people that live out west, you know? Right, because, right. Because, I mean, okay, Um they're like, what'd you pay for this location? I'm like, nothing. <laughs> right. And I pay in, you know. I mean, I'm gonna, you know, we'll buy food when everybody's done. We'll go upstairs and blow 200 bucks on, you know, craft right. services. But, <laughs> yeah, you know, but, yeah, uh, yeah. but uh, no, nah, I pay nothing. Right. And that's just so foreign to them. You it's, know? it's the George Romero principle. It's, you know, get your friends together and find locations they can get into, you know. And, and Pennsylvania's, I mean, especially like out here, I mean, everybody's just so open to it. I mean, we were just out in Hollywood and we, we took uh, second place for um, uh, best horror picture out there. And, oh, congrats. And, that's awesome. Uh, thank you. And I was, I was out there um, with our manager, Matt Chasen, and, uh, and uh, Matt asked me. We were walking up, you know, Sunset Boulevard or where the hell we're at, you know. And, right. And Matt says to me, he goes, hey, I have a question for you. He comes, comes up to me. He's like, so he's like, say so, you want to film on this street right here in Erie. He's like, how's that go down? And I, I'm like, well, with guns or without guns? <laughs> he's like, well, with guns. I was like, well, I'm like, well, with guns. I said, uh, you know, I make a call to the Erie Police Department and let them know I'm going to be filming between, uh, you know, 8th and 13th on Peach Street between, you know, 5 and 7 o'clock at night. And and he's like, what do they usually say? I was like, they usually say, have fun, don't get in trouble, and uh, thanks for letting us know. <laughs> and, don't, and don't kill anyone. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, you know, out here you have to hire the cops, you have to hire the fire department, have an ambulance. Oh, sure. And I'm like, oh, my God, everybody's got their hand in it out there out here. It's like, hey, yeah, be safe. <laughs> yeah, and, and that, I think that's kind of the, even though Pittsburgh is a little, you know, a little east, that's a very Midwestern mentality. I think, you oh. know, you, you, you see a lot of that or you hear a lot of that when in talking to people who, you know, did kind of the classic stuff in the 70s that, you know, on, on you know, five grand, you know, sure. open, opening Blood Beast in Peoria. It's like stuff like this. It's just like film it wherever we can. I don't care. Go in this house and film it. Yeah. You know? It is kind of well, a, there's well, a DIY now, element. Yeah. Well, different now, you know, state by state. I mean, uh, it, it's different now. I mean, I couldn't come to Chicago and, and film downtown, you know, but. Uh, Not unless you're making Transformers. Yeah. No. That's a true story or a Batman <laughs> or something. You know, right. So. Right. Yeah, that's 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 interesting. Yeah, I mean, it's it. I wondered about that because I, I one of the questions that I had about it, you know, and watching it, I assumed you filmed it mostly locally. I mean, I didn't think you went way out of your area, but I, no, I was curious as to how the location, the location scouting, and and all that was determined. You know, because it's, I just I think I thought it might that might be the case. We, um, you know, as far as location scouting went, um, I was lucky on this film. I, I really didn't do too much, and that's. <laughs> One of the things I absolutely despise doing is location scouting. Um, right. I, I pretty much know what I want, but I had um, I had AJ and I had Darren, um, both of my 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 executive producers, and they, I, the film wouldn't be done without these guys. So um, they were both exponentially, um, without question. I mean, I don't even know the word I'm even trying to say. I mean, they were just beyond words. I guess you know. <laughs> As to how valuable they were to, as far as, you know, helping me out with stuff. And, uh, like I said, even like that, um, the cave, I mean, the cave was a big one. And, uh, right. um, all of, um, all of Jeremy's house is AJ's actual house. So I wondered about that too. I wonder, <laughs> I wonder if that was your house or if that was somebody, you Because trust me, brother, there aren't too many wives that are going to let you leave a Christmas tree up in the middle of May. So. <laughs> yeah, that seems fair. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh... So, um, so Candy was really nice about letting us, you know, set up shop there and, and, uh, she was taller. And, and God bless her. And she was about the beginning of May. She was like, can, can I please take this tree down? I was like, take it down, honey. We're done. And she's like, you sure? And I was like, I had just an inch of doubt in my mind, you know, that we might need one more shot. And she's like, we'll leave it up one more week. Leave like, it up. You're insane, honey. You're insane. You know, but, but uh, yeah, I mean, uh, we filmed, 
Um, 90% of the film was filmed in Edinburgh, Edinburgh, Pennsylvania, okay. which is about 20 minutes south of Erie. Okay. And anything that was left over was filmed in Erie. So, gotcha. Um, a lot of the outdoor stuff was filmed up in Erie. Um, God, I mean, all the bars were in Erie, or were, oh, I'm sorry, Meadville, too. We also, which is about uh, half an hour south of Erie. Okay. So we filmed in one bar in Meadville. So Meadville to Erie was where we filmed. So we did not travel outside of the state um, logistically, um, financially, just wasn't feasible. And not really a need, I mean, from, from seeing the movie. and, and Not, not seeing, at all. You know, yeah. Not I mean, at all. Man. Not at all. We, right. we had... We had one point in time where we were um, close to traveling to New York because we needed snow. Oh man, this the snow thing was funny. So um, we had, so we had our, our two big outdoor scenes were with um, or with were with Bill, and were with uh, Jay Dobbins. So that was really the big one, you know, where they go and hunt the monster. Right, and, right. Uh, and um, Jay's flying in from Arizona, and the night he's flying in, there isn't a drop of snow on the ground. <laughs> of course, yeah. He's right. flying in on a Thursday. Flying in on a Thursday. There isn't, there isn't one flake of snow. There's nothing. I could have rode the motorcycle to work. There's nothing. <laughs> and he landed, and I am not lying to you. Overnight, we had a foot. But he's from Arizona. He's not used to it. So. <laughs> and that, then we that, had that was Krampus, my friend. That was Krampus <laughs> working in your favor. And that was, uh, and we had Bill. Same, the exact same story with Bill. Just duplicated with Bill. Wow. We had we had no snow. It was a Thursday. Both both times was a Thursday at work, and. uh I'm looking outside, and it's. And we, I mean, Wednesday night we had nothing, and Thursday it's just coming down in buckets, and we almost didn't have Bill in in time, and <laughs> Bill was on a schedule. So, I mean, we right. had Bill for three days, and day five, you know, Bill is at another set. So we didn't have any extra time with Bill. It was right, right. balls to the wall with Bill. So, And that's actually a great segue into Bill. How did you, how did you end up with Bill Oberst, Jr.? I mean, he's, he, he's phenomenal in the movie. He's awesome. He is he, fantastic. Um, he is just absolutely unbelievable across the board in everything he does. He's one of the nicest people I've ever met. He is an actor who, when you have him on set, he makes everybody else better. Period. I, I can imagine that, yeah. He is, He. I mean, and that goes for all of our um, quote-unquote professional actors that we had on set. Um, Richie, Mike, Bill, um, all made every scene that they were in better. Um, You're talking about guys that this is what they do. This is their craft. You know, this is, um, but we're a small set for them. You know, we are a very small set. We're one camera. We're a crew of three or four. Um, You know, everybody helps move the lights and get them where we need them. You know, (laughs) Um, you know, my, my executive producer's running the boom mic. <laughs> you know, I mean, you, call, you call your friends, man. That's how it's, it's, it's got to work when you're on a budget. This, this is how we do it, man. This is how right. we do it. You know, I mean, and we don't we don't have crappy equipment. I mean, we're not using shit from you know Radio Shack. I mean, this right, is, right. These are you know five, six, seven hundred dollar microphones, but <laughs> we just don't have the you know five hundred dollars a day to pay somebody to run them. So, and, and again, why? I mean, if you don't need it, you don't need it. You know, um, with, with anyway, Bill. So, so to go to your question, so Bill. Yeah. Um, so it was, we were, we were just working on the set. Um, so my manager, well, it wasn't my manager at the time. Um, Matt Chasen out in LA, um, was helping me with our cast list. And, um, Matt came to me and he said, he said, who are you looking for? He's like, I'd like to have you use some of my guys. I was like, I'd be more than, more than happy to use some of your guys because Matt's been, you know, completely, you know, fundamental in you know, some of my, progression as far as you know in this business so right right um so you know he rubs my back i'll rub his back you know that's fine so um i'm like well i said i really have this character brian hat this escaped convict you know that uh gets out of prison and comes after you know jeremy you know it's just one other little um little Subplot thread kind of. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, a little subplot. I guess that's what I was looking for, you know, that's kind of going on, you know, in the story. And I, I had Jimmy Duvall was who I had planned for it. Um, and I don't know if you know who Jimmy is. He was uh, right, uh, Don, yeah. Donnie Darko. Uh, right, yeah, yeah. Uh, nice dude, you know, had a couple beers with him out in Erie a while ago. And it's like, I kind of I could see, you know, Jimmy greasing his hair back and kind of be kind of like a stoner, you know, kind of, you know, right. asshole breaking in the house and. So we tried like hell to get a hold of Jimmy and it never happened. And Matt comes to me and he's like, Hey, it's like, this guy's kind of up and coming. He's like, uh, he's 
kind of getting well-known in the horror field. What do you think about using Bill? And I was like, hey, man, if, if you think he's good for the role, I'm game. So, and uh, we, we signed him, and we had his airfare. Excuse me, and it wasn't uh, a month later. Uh, Bill was named the Scream Scream King of 2012, best actor. I saw that, yeah. I was, <laughs> I'm reading all this shit, and I'm like, oh, my God, we're so lucky. <laughs> yeah. Get this guy, you know. That is timing, my friend. That is timing. And, you know, I mean, he's just, oh, it was perfect timing. And, but, um, you know, Bill, Bill gets on our set, and, I mean, and he's not used to, I mean, I don't think he's used to, I guess Bill's used to a lot of things at this point in his career, you know, but, uh, you know, we walk and we're like, Hey man, if you have any ideas or, you know, if, if you have any ideas of what you want to do to make it better, or, you know, or, I mean, we're, we're pretty open to ideas. I mean, ultimately when it's all said and done, my word, the final say, but I think anybody will tell you, man, I'm, I'm, I never turn any stories away unless they want to completely rewrite the script. <laughs> you know, sure, so. sure. Right. But, right. Uh, and how much of that was improv? I mean, I had, I had a sense kind of, uh, you know, from watching it, it, it e- either he did, you know, just incredible things with the script, or I wondered if any of his part of the film was ad-libbed. Um, I, I would say, it was, well, um, the part with Rich and with AJ um, more specifically, the second part after um, after AJ comes back from you know from the cave, right? And he's dirty, and he comes back in. That was almost all. I mean, it still followed the script, but it wasn't word for word. Okay. And you'll you'll if you watch go watch it again tonight after we're done, and you'll get the sense of the feel I'm talking about because it, it feels natural. Okay. Right. And that's uh, Richie and Mike are both very improv. So they actually okay. run comedy sports up in Detroit, which is like an, an improv, you know, comedy sort of thing. So right. um, they're, they're very improv. Um, with Bill, Bill is very by the book. So when Bill breaks into the house, um, 90% of that was scripted. Okay, that's what I wonder because he, I mean, he delivers all of that so well. And there's, I mean, it, there was such a natural feel about the way he was, I mean, you can kind of get a sense with certain with certain actors of, of how how much of themselves they're kind of injecting into a, a, a crazy role. Sure, you know, sure. It's like you, you can kind of get this idea that, like, okay, well, you know, Bill Mosley's a good example. You oh, know, it's like you, Bill, Bill and Bill are going to be in a movie this year together. Oh, well, there you go. Perfect. You know, yep. you get a sense from him that I, I, I don't know how much of any of the stuff that Bill Mosley says is, is in the script. You know, it's like there, there's almost this sense that they're just letting him off of his leash and he's just going off. And and they just record what happens, and there you go. And I, I almost got the same sense of like I could, I felt almost like Bill Ober's parts in the house, you know, where he's eating it, the cookies and everything, and the, you know, do you have any milk yep. and all that? It, it was just so classic, and it was so well, smooth, and it felt so natural. Well, breaking in is different from um, when she's tied up in the chair and the, and the milk. We call that scene "Bill likes cookies," is what that right. scene's called. So. <laughs> that's appropriate. That's, that's good. <laughs> um, so when I was editing, we we make I tried to make funny scenes for everything when I edited, it, and that scene was called Bill Likes Cookies. So, but uh, Bill Likes Cookies, there's a funny story to that. So we have Bill for X amount of dollars, and we have Bill there for three days. And we're on day, well, we have Bill there for two days. And we have Bill on day number two. And I have to work. I mean, most of the stuff we film with Bill is at, you know, 5 o'clock on at night. So right, right. I go to work, and I get done. I pick him up at... I, I go to work, and it's, this is a Saturday, and I'm at work, and I'm looking over the script for what we have to do later at night, and I have a quarter of a page left to film Bill. That's it. Quarter of a page. <laughs> and I have seven hours scheduled for him. The screenwriter's conundrum. <laughs> so, and you know, and I'm, I'm kind of like a day of kind of person. I wasn't like I looked ahead, you know. I mean, and... You know, with Rich and Mike and Bill, it was it was a new experience for me as well. You know, we never really had anybody in that was quote unquote professional before. Sure. So, um, so it was, it was still sort of a little a little surreal, I guess, to me. You know, um, but uh, I go in and I'm looking at this. And I'm like, this can't be. <laughs> so <laughs> what? I actually, so, so I, so I called Bill and I said, Hey, if you wouldn't mind, I said, and I had the script on my iPad. I said, There's a good chance that I just have an older script on my iPad, and if that's the case, because my script was at the was at AJ's, which is where we were filming. Right. And uh, my actual paper script. And, and I said, if you wouldn't mind, I said, could you just look over your script and let me know if, if I'm right, if you have page whatever, 46 or whatever, if that's all I have left for for the day. 
And, uh, you know, he calls me back about a half hour later. He's like, quarter of a page, buddy. <laughs> I was like, I was like, we got to remedy that. <laughs> and he's start, like, he's like, start making shit up. <laughs> and he's like, well, what, what are you thinking? I said, I, I said, just the way you two, excuse me, because we'd already played, we already filmed him breaking in, you know, the night before. Right. I said, just the way you and Erica played off each other. I said, I really think we need more of a backstory for your character. I really do. I said, I can start writing something if you want to. He's like, nah, I got some ideas. He's like, let me, let me um, scribble some ideas down. And, um, and uh, when you pick me up at, you know, 430, you know, we had, I mean, it didn't get dark until 7. Then we had to have a full dark outside. So he's right, like, right. I'll have a couple hours to kind of scratch it down on paper. And he's like, and he's like, but I have some ideas. And I don't want to give too much away, but. Sure, right. Um, when, when he goes and he presents it to us in the basement, you know, we had Erica, you know, quote-unquote, tied up in the chair. And he sits down in front of all of us and he presents it to her, you know, and it, it's basically going into his backstory. Right, right. But do I give it away? But then it's <laughs> it's not, you know, you know his real right, backstory. Right. He just made all that shit up. And it, was, it was very Joker. Yeah, it was very, it was very exactly. Joker. It was yeah. very Joker, but it's also one of those things where, like, for, for you know, for two minutes there, man, you're like, I kind of feel for this dude. You know? Oh, yeah, like, his, his delivery. Yeah, that you, you totally buy it. Oh, yeah, yeah. And yeah. then you're sitting there and you're like, and, and, man, I will tell you, being behind the camera for those scenes, I, I mean, it was, it was fantastic, that especially when she, spit, yeah. when she spits on him. I mean, yeah. that was that was take number one. That was take number one. And yeah, that, was that was all between the two of them. He he leans over to her. He leaned over to her while we were all taking a break. And, and I was adjusting the, you know, the our, our depth there and our, our focal length. And and, uh, and he leans over to her and says something to her. And she shakes her head, yes, you know. And, and Erica and Bill together were fantastic. I thought yeah, they were. That's a great scene. I mean, and... Um, <laughs> and sure as shit, man, she spits on him. And I, I was up against a wall, and where I was at was you can kind of lean back the wall, and there's a crowd of, you know, six, seven people watching this. And I just leaned back. Right. Over. I was like, oh my God, this is fucking film gold right here. <laughs> you know? <laughs> it, it is those, it's those moments you hope for, though, you know, right? When you're doing anything creative like that, you're like, I, you know, after a while that certain things are going to happen that are just completely out of space like yep. that, you know, it's, yep. and you just, you well, hope those things happen. Well, that little kid that we had caged up was really crying. So, Oh, wow. That was, uh, that little kid was really crying. Um, the guy, really, nice, really nice. Hell, you tortured a kid. That's just the, the, the That's nice, the, the kid, the, the guy that plays, uh, plays Santa Claus, Paul firm, um, was, he was hell bent on leather, man. He was, yeah, gonna, he was a scary dude. Yeah. <laughs> he was going to get, he was going to get that kid to cry. Yeah. He was going to, and man, we, we were joking around about it. We thought it was funny and kid wouldn't come back in the room with him. So all <laughs> the, the, the kid, when, when the kid left, when the kid left that room, sorry, I'm getting off the bill, uh, the bill. No, no, that's fine. Yeah. Yeah. When the, uh, when the kid left the room, like when you watch that and he runs out of the cave. Right. Um, those were all pieced together scenes because, and we actually had two more pages of dialogue between Santa Claus and that kid. Oh, really? The kid just wouldn't do it. Kid wouldn't do it. Wow. Scared to death. I'm scared. <laughs> The kid ran upstairs to have a drink. He's like, yeah. he's like enough of the Santa shit, man. Give me a Heineken yeah. or something, for I God's need, sake. I give, give me a little bath, man, brother. I got to come down, man. This isn't... <laughs> wow. Yeah. And that, you know, that's... that that I, I wondered about some of the, you know, the, the, the way that you played the idea of Santa Claus and, and uh -huh. Krampus together and everything, I thought was really well done, too, because I liked... It's one of those kind of things where there are about a million ways, if you sat down to think of how you could do it, that you could technically do it. Uh -huh. You know, and it's and it's almost it almost had this this God Satan feeling to it. You know, yeah. where it's like you know that where I mean, Santa Claus is a, basically a good guy, I guess. You know, but there's some gray area, and then you're like, well, I don't know if I mean, you kind of like you said, you almost have there's a moment of sympathy almost for the monster where you're like, oh hell, you, you know, feel, you feel almost sorrier for the bad guy as far as those two go, right? As you do. You know, quote unquote, the good guy who would be Santa Claus because exactly, Santa exactly. is such an asshole in our movie. I mean, he is. Yeah. He's a prick. Yeah, so, yeah, he is. Yeah. I mean, but uh, I mean, he's he's a scene stealer. Santa he Claus. Was great. Yeah, he was great. When we when we screened it, we screened it twice, and everybody laughs at him. I mean, they just love him. The, love ha him. Ha the Have a Merry Christmas delivery is fantastic. That, that's <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's like one of those. 
That was my idea, dude. That was my <laughs> That's one of those, like, trailer-ending moments, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like the yeah. line that ends the trailer, you know? Here he is chasing off a Playboy model. And <laughs> I was like, dude, it would be right. funny. She, like, she runs out, get out of here, get out of here. <laughs> hey, have a Merry Christmas. Hey, have a Merry Christmas. <laughs> it's, just, it's so asshole. I mean, it's just, and that's what was funny. It was like, I was, when I was writing the script and my mom was, my mom always liked to hear about this stuff. So my, yeah, my, yeah. Mom, my mom, I was on the phone with my mom and she's like, it was like, well, we're going to have Santa Claus in too. She's like, oh, it's cool. You know, yeah, big old Saint Jolly Nick. You know, it's like, hey, ain't going to be that jolly. He's going to be an asshole. <laughs> yeah, no, Santa's but a dick, mom. My mom, my mom was like, she's like, why are you making Santa Claus an asshole? I was like, I, I don't know, because I can. It's like, I don't know, it's kind of funny, right? I mean, it's, I, want, I want it to be kind of something people aren't really used to unless they want, you know, bad Santa, you know? So, I mean. Well, that's true, though, yeah. <laughs> You're laying there a bit at night like, oh, I made my mom upset. I made Santa mean. Why did I make Santa mean? Oh, no, dude, when, my, when my mom was upset about me making Santa Claus a dickhead, I was, I was happy. <laughs> I mean, it just made me happy. And actually, the guy who plays Santa Claus, um, he is a retired, he was, <laughs> I make sure I'm saying this right. Can we mad at me if I don't? He is a retired detective for the Miami homicide department. Really? But he actually was, he was the, he ran the Miami homicide department. Wow. So he was the lead detective or whatever for Miami homicide department. I don't know how it works, but wow. captain or for the, so yeah, so he's used to yelling at people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, probably. That was probably the, the majority of his job. I'm guessing was just yelling at people, except for Dexter. Probably Dexter just did his thing, and you know. Yeah, he didn't. He worried about Dexter. Yeah, he didn't care about Dexter. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean that, that was, the Santa Claus thing was definitely one of the one of the things I was going to mention. It's just it, it was it was a, it was a very funny, but also really kind of interesting way to present the idea of Santa Claus against. Krampus, you know what I mean? And, and yeah. one of the things that, you know, there are a handful of things that really stuck out in the movie that, because I like the movie a lot overall anyway, but there were a few little things. I was Thank like, you. Oh, yeah, I'm going to mention that. I, I love the distorted Christmas carols at the beginning. Okay, thank you. That, yep. that, that was great. Um, and, I, and fought, I, I, fought for that, I fought for that with my producers. They weren't into it, but I said really? too bad. Oh, that, that's one of those things where, where my, my word goes, and uh, sorry. I, I did, too. I, I thought that's the way to go. Yeah, I, I think, totally. I think, I think maybe the distortion might have been their idea or something along those lines was their idea. But we, we came to a compromise somehow with that. But come hell or high water, man, it was going to be, oh, come all ye faithful. Yeah, that was a, that was a sweet intro. What I had <laughs> in my head from day one was, oh, come all ye faithful. And yeah. <laughs> It just, it's yeah, so- with, with with that tape drag, that just that that was great. Yeah, and then the uh, it's funny that you mentioned Halloween earlier, which I know that you are a big Halloween fan anyway. But uh, that shot where the little girl looks out the window and sees uh-huh. Krampus in the daylight, oh, it's so it's so homage to Michael Myers standing in between the sheets. In the did backyard. you did you catch that? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I, that, I loved it. Yeah, that was write in. That was a um, that was a last minute write in. And I was at work, and I scribbled that down, and I said, you know what, man, I'm going to give, a, a, like you said, an homage to yeah. uh, Carpenter. And it was, I, I filmed it like that, and I, I made it feel like that. I thought, you know, because it's daylight, but it's, you know, it's it's Michael Myers standing outside looking in the window. Totally. Didn't you feel, I mean, it was totally a ripoff. I mean, it was oh, totally a ripoff. You know, and, and the thing was, it didn't even strike me. You know, there's, there's things that come across as ripoffs, and there are things that come across where you're just like, you know that whoever did it was like, that was exactly what they meant to do. And it oh. just seemed like one of those things to me. It's like daytime. Oh, with, oh know, without question. I, and yeah. I, I, ever, ever since we filmed that scene, I think even if you go back on my Facebook page, you go by on the Krampus Facebook page. I'm pretty sure I just said I just filmed the homage to Carpenter. You know, I mean, <laughs> I'll have to go back and look. Without question, I filmed it that way. I wanted it that way. I wanted it to feel that way. You know, within the the Krampus spectrum. But right. you know, I, that's exactly what I wanted to feel. And I'm glad you I'm glad you got that, bro. Because totally got it. Totally nobody's got ever it. said that to me before, and that's that is exactly what I went with with that. And like I said, that's one of my all time favorites. You know, and yeah. And it wasn't to be a total ripoff, but I was no, like, no, you know, no. I was like, you know, it's like let's be fun with this. I mean, it's it's an independent horror film. Come on, man. Well, exactly. Well, you know, in horror, that's the great thing about a lot of horror movies. You know, a lot of people will do that kind of homage type of thing, and it's 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 appreciated rather than than frowned upon. Usually, you know what I mean? So, well, no, I loved it. I thought it was great. Well, thank you. Good, yeah. good. And, and the other thing that kind of struck me, the scene, I don't really know that this is even anything that, that you can speak to. It just it was a general kind of impression that I had. Um, getting a bit arcane here for people who are listening to the podcast, but the whole scene in the house at the end, from about the time that that you know Bill breaks into the house and or Brian rather breaks into the house and, and all that, that whole section of it felt for whatever reason to me like it could have been an episode of like Tales from the Dark Side. 
It yeah, had that. I, it had that kind yeah. of kind of vignette quality to it. That the sound, the sound too. And I, the, yeah, I, yeah. I think that's really where um, where Aaron was going with with the music with that um, was sort of that sort of wah 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 wah. Right, you know, like, right, right. Sort of that, but uh, as far as filming, no, I never had that in the back of my mind. But if it went out that way, then totally cool. I mean, yeah, yeah, it's not, it's not it's even the quality thing. of the film so much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's not even the quality of the film so much as it was just there was something about the the atmosphere of it that called that to mind. I don't know. Sure. And that's the other thing I was going to ask is like you know when you're the the music obviously is a big part of the movie or or the lack of music in certain spots, which is. Uh-huh. A big, a big hot button for me with music and horror movies. I sure. won't get, we won't get into it right now because I don't want to okay. drive people away. But <laughs> yeah. I have this whole, well, I have this whole thing with the idea that like you know sometimes it's it's so much more effective sometimes to not have music in horror films than it is to force music on a scene. Sure. You know, and I think that, it, that the music stuck out to me because it was so carefully placed. You know, I, what have, I, mean? I, I have nothing to do with that. I will give Aaron Forsyth one hundred percent of the credit with that. Well, there you go. Uh, we, we sat down for, um, I mean, we sat down for hours with the music, and he would, uh, we do it section by section. And man, he's he has his own studio, and he's he's a songwriter, and um, and he would he would go and do stuff, and and come back with CDs and stuff, and atmospheres and feelings, and we'd watch a, a scene together. And be like, drop this in here, drop this in here, and if we didn't yeah. like it, if I didn't like it, then we wouldn't do it, or you know, we drop the volume down, or sometimes a lot of that shit just be subliminal, you know, and, and right, right. And, you know, just be a little wall, you know, underneath, you know, just a yeah. little, you know, double drop D, you know, just, <laughs> right. just, you know, just hanging out underneath there. <laughs> so, yeah, no, it was, it was effective in that, in that way where you're like, you're aware of it, but you're not aware of it. You know, it's like, it's, it's, there are moments where it's called into focus and moments where it's just kind yeah. of there unconsciously, you know. And Aaron, Aaron did all that. I mean, I, we sat and we edited that all in together. But I pretty much gave him full reign of the music, and he he did majority of it. I mean, some of the stuff is stock, you know, you know, indie stock stuff. But man, ninety percent of it isn't. So right, I mean, right. so I mean, he yeah, he did a fantastic job with the music. So. Yeah, he, I, I agree. The music's really really great, and the editing as well. So what's 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 next now for um, what's next in terms of you know the film premieres? You said November second. November second in Erie is our is our world premiere. Um, we have some people that are interested in distribution right now, and we're just waiting to see you know what happens with that. So great, it's it's the whole game that goes along with that bullcrap. So yeah, sure, sure. Um, what's next, man? Um, nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm enjoying the time off. I mean, this was this was mentally dragging. So um, whatever we do next is, I have a couple things on the table. I guess I guess if we're if if we have some income that comes from Krampus, then in all honesty, if we have a good return and, and a good reception, which we have had a 100% great reception on Krampus so far, then I have, we'll say, Krampus's predecessor in the beginnings. So, um, so Krampus too. <laughs> so I, you know, I wondered about that. Uh, <laughs> I wondered if you would consider doing another another movie. Because it, it, there there are elements would, of this that man, would lend we themselves well. We um, we do. Um, I, I mean, I, like, I have like ten, fifteen pages written of it, and I just sort of stopped because, I mean, honestly, financially, I, I can't. I don't think any of us can do it. You know, again, I don't think any of us could. I don't think me, AJ, or Darren could walk tomorrow and say, "Oh, here's another ten grand. Let's go." You know, <laughs> right? Sure. <laughs> so, um. If we get some income from this, I would say that's probably the next thing on tap. I have, a, I have actually have a comedy screenplay um, that I written that I had, I had written, God, probably I don't know five years ago, and I totally for, I kind of forgot about it. It's one of those things right. that stuck on the shelves is ninety seven pages long, and and uh, I threw it out the other day, and it's it's um it's like Sex in the City, but like with like your four college buddies, and it's like one of the guys just recently got divorced and they're trying to get him, you know, laid again. And it's called sex ed, you know, <laughs> and the guy, the guy, the guy they're trying to get laid is Ed. His name's Ed, you know, it's called oh, sex. Very, well, you should get, just call up, call up Judd Aptow. What do you, what do you, I mean? and it is actually pretty damn funny. <laughs> I mean, I, I pulled it out the other day and I was skimming through and I was like, man, you know, I could, we could do this on a fly budget. I mean, we could do this on seriously, like a, a really crappy budget, you know, 10 grand out the door at the most, but Man, if we're gonna do anything, I really want to do another Krampus film. <laughs> I really do. I mean, yeah, I, I, I can it, definitely see another film. Dude, if I, see the, 
I see the first 10 pages we have right now, you'd be like, oh, go for it. <laughs> <laughs> you go steal that 10 grand. However you have to get it, you yeah. get that money, damn it. Rob a bank, rob a bank, sell meth. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Find as many bars as you can, whatever whatever you have to do. <laughs> sell meth, sell meth. Cool. Well, yeah, I, I, hope you, I hope you get there, man. I hope, that'll, I hope that, that comes to pass because that would be cool to see. And, yeah, we'll uh, see, man. We'll yeah. see what happens. So, I mean, like I said, I, I am actually enjoying the time off. Nothing's going to happen this winter. So if we do, it'll be next winter. Sure. I, I really am enjoying just having a little bit of a break. I, I, I have a couple short films I want to film, you know, just little five-minute little jobbies just to, you know, stay active and, and you know, right. play more with lighting and stuff like that. You know, just a little more, you know, play with play with, play with the craft, man, you know. Yeah, you keep your chops up, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, you know, monkey around with stuff. You can't really monkey around, you know, with the lighting on a, you know, when you're running seven hours straight, you know, with an actor you have in from California, you can't really play around the lighting. And you light it and you go, but... Burning, yeah. money, burning money tends to uh, keep experimentation to a minimum. When yeah. You, uh, yeah. But when you got a five minutes short, you can really start playing with the lights a little bit. Hey, let's shine them under the bed and see what happens, you know? So, right. <laughs> you know? So. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Cool. Well, good luck with that, man. Good luck with the premiere. And I definitely would urge everybody listening to this to check it out. When it is it going to come? Is it is it going to do any sort of? You say you're talking to distributors, but is there are there plans to essentially release it directly to video, or is it going to be the kind of thing that does an indie run, or how's it going to? Um, you know yet? The easiest way for people to check it is uh, um, really with Facebook, man. So um, it's fa- our, our Facebook page is facebook.com backslash Krampus Devil. Um, or you can go to krampusfilm.com. But okay. uh, Krampus, backslash Krampus Devil on Facebook is probably the one we update the most. And um, I had said that if we don't have distribution by November 2nd when we premiere, then I'll probably have, have them available for sale. So okay. um, that would probably be, you know, and I'm probably going to hold true to that. So, and the Blu-ray is beautiful, man. So I'll tell everybody that the Blu-ray copy is absolutely drop dead gorgeous. So awesome. Is there is there Jason Hall commentary? It'll be like this if there is, man. You'll, you'll be like, God, oh, shut this guy up. <laughs> you can just use this as the commentary. <laughs> Here's some beers cracking in the background, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Some, some um, slow motion footage of you dancing around the room if, in your underwear or if, something, you know? If, yeah. If we, uh, if we, if we present it that way november 2nd which i imagine we probably will um yes there will be commentary there'll be picture galleries there'll be you know especially at least on the blu-ray so we'll we'll definitely have all that stuff available and and uh yeah it's a lot of fun man so very cool well, i'll have the links up on uh for those listening i'll have the links to the facebook pages and all the media sites and everything on the blog that accompanies this podcast so you can go to the blog and check out those links and i urge you all to do it jay it's been freaking awesome talking to you and yeah, i really hope you. it's successful and i think it's great man i appreciate it man. i really do seriously thank you so much awesome we will talk soon thanks chris all righty bye-bye If you can't stand the sight of flesh being stripped from a human body, please leave the room. There will be a 10-second countdown. 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. What was that? All right, well, my thanks to Jason Hall once again for that interview. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed listening to it, and I hope you will check out Krampus when it comes out because it really is a pretty cool movie. Uh, good monster. You know, any monster movie's got to have a good monster. So even though Jason swears it's more of an action movie, it's got a monster in it, man. So he's straddling the line. Uh, and check out his previous films, too, uh, Chasing Darkness in the Four. And uh, hopefully we can have Jason back on the show at some point uh, in the not-too-distant future. So the last thing we're going to talk about today on the podcast is um, an iOS game that I recently discovered that some of you may have already played. Uh, It's not just available for iOS. It's available for other platforms as well. Uh, But I played the iPad version specifically, and it's called Home. And it's $2.99. It's definitely worth the buy, I think, if you're into kind of quieter horror uh, horror stories, horror games, uh, as opposed to something real, you know, action flashy like Resident Evil or Silent Hill or something like that. Uh, in the game, you basically just play this character who wakes up in a house, and your whole goal is to basically just find out what happened um, without giving too much away about the way the game works. Uh, it's essentially just a, a side-scrolling 2D, um, 8-bit-looking, you know, 
pixel game. It's very cool. Uh, they did a really nice job with the graphics. Um, I happen to like that retro style of graphics. I, I, I don't have a problem with that at all. I enjoy it. I know some people don't like that. They prefer realism. I think, you know, there, there are so many realistic horror games out there now that it's kind of easy. It's easy to find them. And this one stands out because it's just not like that at all. And the interesting thing about it is that it's, it's kind of along the lines of a choose-your-own-adventure where over the course of the game, you're going to be prompted to make certain decisions about what it is you're doing and how you're interacting with the environment. So you might be prompted to pick something up or close a door or leave a door open or things like that. But that, those actions are basically going to inform how the game plays out and how it ends. And they're also going to inform what else happens to you along the course of the game. So, you know, the first time you play the game through, you, there might be a box of clothes, you know, that you're, you have to look through. The second time you play it through, the box of clothes might not be there at all, but you might have to look at the TV or something like that. You know, so there are all these kind of interesting little things that aren't necessarily going to make or break how the game plays out, but they all contribute to how the game ends and what the suggestion of what's happening in the game is. So it's really interesting, and I, I thought it was really cool. Uh, you know, it seems that opinion is kind of divided on whether or not it's worth the time or not. Some people seem to really like it, and some people really seem to hate it. Um, some people say they saw the ending coming. Some people said they didn't. Some people said they saw it coming but didn't really care because the game was still really cool. I basically saw the end coming, but it didn't really diminish my enjoyment of the game. So I think it's definitely worth a look. Uh, it's available in the App Store, and there will be a link to it uh, on the Undead Unburied webpage. It means that it is time for us to end our episode, unfortunately. Thank you all so very much for tuning in. I hope you'll subscribe. I hope you'll come back and visit us. Uh, we've got some very cool stuff coming up in the next few weeks. Like I said, uh, obviously Halloween is on the way, so we're going to be talking about that, checking out some haunted houses. Uh, we're going to be checking out Goblin on tour, which I still can't even believe is actually happening, uh, talking about Italian horror. Uh, we've got the Days of the Dead Chicago convention coming up uh, next month, so that's exciting. Um, we got Walking Dead coming back for season four so all kinds of great things are happening in the horror genre right now um and i hope to bring you interesting information and coverage on all of them uh, if you'd like to uh, get in touch with us on the web our web page is undeadunburied.wordpress.com and our facebook page is facebook.com slash undeadunburied check out both sites we'll have links to everything we talk about on the shows up there so if you want to check out any of the things that we've discussed everything's going to be up there for you we'll have trailers we'll have uh, all the podcasts will be streaming obviously. So a lot of cool information and just whatever interesting things we find that we think need to go up there, we're going to put up there. Uh, if you'd like to email me, uh, if you'd like to be on the show, if you'd like to talk about the show, if you think we should be covering someone that we're not or something that we're not, by all means, shoot me an email at undeadunburied at gmail.com. Again, thank you so much for tuning in. I'm Chris Bavard. Keep the lights off, people.